The sermon text is the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. Then Mary said, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble state of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones. He has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the aid of his servant Israel, remembering his mercy, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his offspring forever. The Gospel of our Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. St. Mary is not someone for good Lutherans to be afraid of. Lutherans accept the Bible as God's own word. And in his word, God gives us Mary as an example of faith and obedience. How other churches treat St. Mary is not going to be the focus of this message. How God treated Mary and how he treats us is the focus of this time this morning. And we are going to see that by looking through Mary's eyes. The first time we can look through her eyes in scripture is kind of a shocking scene. Because you look through Mary's eyes, you see standing in front of her in her own home, an angel named Gabriel. And the angel speaks, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now you look through Mary's eyes as they turn away from that angel in fear, as just about anybody's eyes would. But the angel, right away, calls her eyes back to his. Do not be afraid, Mary, because you have found favor with God. Listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Now Mary's eyes look deep into the eyes of that angel as she asks for an explanation. She does not demand answers about this. She requests an explanation of how it could be possible for her, a virgin, not just to have a son, but a son who is also the son of the Most High. And Gabriel obliges with an explanation. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the one to be born will be called the Son of God. So the answer, the explanation is that this boy is not going to be the offspring of Mary's husband, Joseph, but instead will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. He is the son of both the human and the divine, so the child himself will be both human and divine. Now, look out through Mary's eyes over the next 10, 12 years of your life, 10 or 12 months of your life, and see all of the question marks out in front of you. Will that husband leave you or stay with you? Will your family disown you? Is anybody in the world going to believe this story that you have to tell 
Or will everybody just assume, uh, well, Mary got herself into some trouble and she told the biggest lie she could think of because the bigger the lie, the more likely people are to believe it. Honestly, look through her eyes out into her future. What a wrench God has thrown into her life. What complication. Is this really such a blessing as the angel claims or is it more of a burden? Well, whatever it is, it's God's will for her life. And Mary sees that. Then Mary said, see, I am the Lord's servant. And where does Mary look now? Where do we naturally turn when we get shocking news? We have to try to make sense of something that we can't make sense out of. Don't we like to go to family, to loved ones? Well, Mary hurries up to see her relative Elizabeth, and Elizabeth does what good family does. She uses God's promises to overcome the challenges of this situation and emphasize the blessing of what God has done for Mary. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? In fact, just now, as soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in the womb, John the Baptist, leaped for joy. Blessed is she who believed, because the promises spoken to her from the Lord will be fulfilled. Would you agree that Elizabeth was a wise choice for Mary to go and visit? Elizabeth emphasizes the blessing that this little boy is going to be for her, for Mary, and for all the people in Israel because this child will be the Lord himself and he is going to accomplish everything that God has promised for his people. Now look through Mary's eyes, down at that newborn boy in the manger, and do what she does. Treasure up all these things and ponder them in your heart, because on that day, in the town of David, a Savior was born for you. The one that God chose, anointed, to come and take your sins away. It is the eternal Lord, wrapped the deepest humility there in that manger. Then look through Mary's eyes and see the shepherds come rushing in to praise him. And then just as quickly, they're back out the other side. They are hurrying to spread the word. The first Christian missionaries with the good news that they heard that night. Good news that has now reached all the way to your ears and laid Jesus in your own heart. Look through Mary's eyes as the doors of the temple swing open. And she and Joseph walk in with that baby boy. They have already named him Jesus, which means Savior. They've named him Jesus according to Gabriel's orders. And now they have brought him here to be circumcised, to keep the Old Testament law of Moses, which says every little baby boy at the age of eight days must be circumcised. Jesus is going to keep all that Old Testament law of Moses. He's going to keep all of God's moral code for all people throughout his life to supply us with the perfection that we need. And already, at the age of eight days, he is working for our salvation. Look through Mary's arms as a man named Simeon walks up, takes that little baby boy into his own arms, and sings, Lord, you now dismiss your servant in peace according to your word, because my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared 
before the face of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. There's also an old lady in the temple named Anna. And when she sees Jesus, she goes marching through the courts, proclaiming redemption from the Lord. Now look through Mary's eyes at these strange foreigners who have traveled so far with such expensive gifts to see your son and God's son. They've come all this way, put all of this money into these gifts. They've had to to risk their life dodging a psychotic king. And now they're there and you can look and see as they bow down and worship him. So Jesus is for these foreigners too. They know who he is and they have come to worship him as the son of God. He has not just come to save Israel. You can look through Mary's eyes and see that the Savior is for all people, including you and me. So far, when we look through her eyes, we see a birth that is both human and divine for the salvation of all people, Israel and Gentiles. And at the same time, we see the faithfulness of our God who made the promise of this Savior, repeated it down through the centuries, and then delivered on it when the time was just right. When the time had fully come, God sent his son to be born of a woman so that he would be born under the law in order to redeem those under the law so that we would be adopted as sons. And now Mary gets to do what no other woman in history ever has or ever will. She gets to raise God. When they had accomplished everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee. Now, Christians of every generation have all kinds of curious questions of what it would be like to raise a perfect child. All the Holy Spirit saw fit to give us was a two-sentence summary of what Mary saw during Jesus' childhood. The child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and God's favor was on him. Two sentences that tell us God grew, God learned, God gained strength and received favor. See, this is the depth of God's love for us, that he became one of us and God himself actually had to learn and grow and develop because he loves us. We human beings are born under the law of God, owing him perfection to all of his commandments, perfection we do not live up to. So Jesus came as one of us under that same law to be perfect in our place. God sent his son to be born of a woman so that he would be born under the law in order to redeem those under the law. What love God has for us. Now you can look through Mary's eyes as she sees her son live this perfect life. This time, Mary is wiping tears away from her eyes. First, they are tears of fear, and then they are tears of relief, because after searching high and low through this caravan that's returning from Nazareth, to Nazareth from Jerusalem, and seeing no sign of her son and God's son, Mary and Joseph scurry back to Jerusalem, and they spend three days looking everywhere for Jesus. And finally, after three days, they find a 12-year-old boy in, of all places, the temple. 
teaching the teachers. Mary looks at her son and asks, why? He answered them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be taking care of my father's business? She and Joseph do not understand this right now, but one day they will. Jesus must keep God's entire will in our place. So he puts the Father first, first commandment, by putting his word first, third commandment. And now, in the early days of Jesus' ministry, you can look through Mary's eyes. She has caught up to Jesus and brought along a few of her other sons to try to to get in and see Jesus and talk to him, but they don't get to. When you look through Mary's eyes, all you are going to see is the back of other people's heads. They can't even get in to see Jesus, but they hear what he says that day. My mother and my brothers are those who are hearing and doing the word of God. This is why he has come. This is the purpose of his ministry. To open up the kingdom of heaven by proclaiming the grace and the will of God. Turning his enemies into his own mother and brothers. And then three years later, you can look up through Mary's eyes and see Jesus suffering and dying on the cross. Way back in the temple, that man Simeon prophesied that one day a sword would pierce Mary's soul. And now it is. But even now, Mary witnesses the perfection of her son and God's son. Because even now, at the height of his agony, while he is going through hell, Jesus' concern is for his mother. He is still keeping the fourth commandment perfectly all the way to the end, arranging for the disciple he loves, St. John, to take care of Mary after he is gone. He is showing perfect love for Mary, for John, for all of the people there taunting him and jeering him, and he is showing perfect love for you and me. You look through Mary's eyes, you see the perfection that God now credits to our account. And you see the blood flowing that washes away our sins. Look through her eyes and see Jesus saving death on the cross. Now I have to be honest here and say, we don't know for sure if Jesus' mother Mary was among the group of ladies who went to Jesus' tomb on Easter morning. You see, there's so many Marys around on Good Friday and Easter Sunday that it's kind of hard to sort them all out and identify them. But for the purposes of this sermon, I sort of had to assume that Jesus' mother was one of them. And if it turns out she wasn't, well, there were other Marys there. We can borrow a set of their eyes and still look through Mary's eyes. The first thing she sees is a stone rolled away. And soon after that, her eyes are looking down at the ground to shield herself from the glare of the angel that is inside that tomb. An angel that says, Why are you looking for the living among the dead? He is not here but has been raised. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and on the third day, rise again. You look through Mary's eyes into that empty tomb, and you see that death is dead. Jesus lives, and in him we live and never die. Now why, out of all the women in history, did God choose Mary to be the mother of our Lord? Why did he pick her to have the privilege of seeing all of these things through her own two eyes? 
It was not because Mary was any less sinful than anybody else. In that beautiful song of praise that she sang in Elizabeth's house, Mary called God her Savior. If you call God your Savior, that is an implicit confession of sin because a perfect person does not need a Savior. God gave her this privilege for the same reason God ever gives any good thing to any sinful human being. He's gracious. He gives gifts undeserved. And Mary understood that very well. The song of praise that she sang in Elizabeth's house gives all glory to God for the undeserved goodness that he was showing to her and that he shows to everyone who trusts in him. Now in addition to making Mary the mother of our Lord, God also made her a wonderful example for his people to follow. Mary asked for answers, but did not demand them. With Elizabeth's help, she focused on the blessings of what God was giving her and not the challenges and the complications. Mary called herself the Lord's servant, not his counselor. May God give us all hearts like St. Mary, hearts that quit complaining and focus on the endless good things that God blesses us with every day. Hearts to be God's servants and not his bosses. Hearts that take whatever he sends to us and says, See, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Most of all, may God make us, people who like St. Mary, sing his glory with pure joy in our hearts. In addition to everything else God did for Mary, he also made her a fine poet. And in that song of praise that she sang called the Magnificat, she gives pure, joyful praise to God. And may we sing along with Mary's spirit-inspired words. All you have to do is just look through her eyes to see a birth that is human and divine, a perfect life lived that we get credit for, the forgiveness of sins proclaimed and unearned, and an empty tomb. See those things through Mary's eyes, and you will sing along with her with all your heart. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. Amen.